0: listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine this is socially distanced we didn't tell you who we were last week we wanted to keep our names a mystery despite having been doing the show for well over a year now um, and having introduced ourselves every week but I kind of want to keep the mystery going I'm either Paxton Wright or Justin uh, Kiever and uh, with me is either Paxton Wright or Justin Kiever whichever one I am not
1: yeah and I am
0: whichever one I am who's to say see there we go this is this is the mystery of our time we just figured out who the zodiac killer was yesterday or i guess oh two days God. ago <laughs> <Right>. did, you,
1: <laughs> did you did you see the one like the the, the facebook post of that one guy of his friend was just, like, hang is yeah, just hanging out with him and would have like zodiac question mark. yeah it was in, like, just every like
0: every and it was just, it was literally just like man he was the zodiac crazy man missing you buddy rest in peace but, it was like, read the room for the last that was, uh,
1: half century <laughs> oh wow and and like people keep like bringing like finding like posts that were apparently in that guy's name i don't know if they're real Uh, i'm assuming most of them aren't but like i i that facebook think, one though is so good i think a couple of
0: them are I, some of them i know for sure are fake but i think that lady gaga one is real okay was the lady gaga one real okay. the lady gaga one i'm pretty sure was real at least that one i've seen circulated around a bunch more than all the others and by some more valid <laughs> sources or typically valid sources um, okay. so i'm pretty sure the zodiac killer was a lady
1: gaga stan um i I mean like that was like the one thing like all i know about the zodiac killer i learned from the excellent david fincher film zodiac um but uh yeah no like honestly there was something about like the tone of that lady gaga like post that like one sentence that like seemed kind of like coherent with the letters that the zodiac would like send right like it was a very kind of like similar sort of taunting thing it was thing. He's, like, he's like what a brilliant
0: woman just like me or something not that exactly but something but, but along,
1: some, something along those lines yeah.
0: it's flattering lady gaga while flattering himself it's a very strange comment
1: yeah it's it's like very much this kind of like you know like i'm you know i'm a media sensation kind of thing that like obviously you know you know when you're posting under your your own name and not well you know you you could you you could put you could post under the username zodiac killer and frankly no one would believe you because people would
0: just think it was a
1: meme yeah yeah i do love the fact
0: i'm not the first person to make this joke this has been a commonly said joke over twitter but the fact that we have waited uh, what 60 years to find out who the zodiac killer is and it just turned out to be some guy named gary (laughs) <laughs> who no one had
1: ever heard of <laughs> just some schmuck like yeah i, I mean who else hey, was it gonna be but but yeah, but yeah you know it was it was like all i knew was it was some guy in san francisco with a basement that's yep. you know that's what i learned that's what jake gyllenhaal taught me and not many people in california have basements there we yeah. go that's, seriously what david fincher makes good movies that's an incredible I, 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 a I hate few that that's ago. my frame of reference like it's it's really good yeah i hate that that's my frame of reference for like actual brutal murders but like that's hey you know i i will say
0: you know we have news we want to get to but i will say once we're on the i can't believe, we didn't even talk before going on the show like hey we should talk about the zodiac revelation this is way, we were going to get into the facebook and twitch stuff the hacks and we, we will get into that but this is way more fun um but, but i will say Ooh, what does that say about the world yeah uh, i don't want to think about it um but back in high school my uh friends and i all of whom i don't even think this context is necessary because it'll become a, incredibly obvious as i explain what we did but uh we all smoked a lot of pot back in those days and uh uh we had an idea to do a shot for shot remake of zodiac in our hometown where we played all the characters and all our me and all my friends dads were gonna play the different variations of the zodiac killers um, that show up throughout the movie and we were also going to address everyone by their real first names if this doesn't sound like something that people who were high as hell in a in a basement uh would come up i don't know what does but uh we were yeah we had we had a lot of it written and storyboarded i'm not gonna lie we actually really were putting in the effort for a while on this for a couple of months and it fell through i think i still have those storyboards lying around somewhere uh, but we were gus van zodiac we were, Sands,
1: zodiac. <laughs> we
0: were we, i mean we were fully committed we we're just going to shoot it in our hometown it was uh it was gonna be a whole thing we had done some location scouting we were ready for this and then we realized oh zodiac is a two hour and 40 minute movie
1: this i don't know about this
0: <laughs> but it was fun while it lasted
1: I would have been was. really really excited to see like whatever rig you all like had for, like the one like uh i like bird's eye view shot of the car that like you know flawlessly drifts with the car itself which i'm pretty sure is just cg I will but like you, we that's... had
0: already planned we talked about that i remember okay and we were just gonna push a hot wheel with our finger and film.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh that's brilliant yeah that was oh, that's really good that's really visible good. hand
0: too we weren't gonna like pull it oh, on a string it was just a full-on hand course. pushing yeah. a hot wheel. that was gonna be the move <laughs> you know it could oh. have been something it could have been something brilliant and we uh we we didn't um We didn't see it through and that's a shame. Hang on a sec. I have to send a text. I'm not going to delete that in the, uh, edit. Just going to leave that in. It's fine. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Zodiac killer, Gary.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, and for, for a few hours there a few days ago, I can't remember the Zodiac killers friend, but he couldn't have posted on Facebook about, how much he loved the zodiac killer and misses him because facebook went down which was like half of the facebook news this last week
0: it was a good segue um it was okay it was much less clumsy than i was preparing for okay fair enough there we go uh yeah yeah so facebook shut down on monday and for several hours including instagram and whatsapp and that was only about 50% of the reason their week was so terrible. Um, It's look, any week is a great week to be Mark Zuckerberg. You're a gajillionaire and untouchable and above the law all the time. And this was no exception, but this was one of the less great weeks to be Mark Zuckerberg. I will say that much. Um, Yeah. So basically I guess we'll start with the whistleblower report. Um on Sunday, 60 Minutes aired a special with uh Francis Hahn. I don't remember the pronunciation and I did not remember to look it up before we started. Um we can just go with Hahn unless you can
1: uh, uh Han or uh Hogan, Hogan? if you H- Let's H- say Francis Hahn. Let's stick uh, with Han for now and then yeah like uh like that uh who is it paul
0: paul thomas anderson not paul thomas anderson who did marriage story noah baumbach he did that movie francis ha so that's kind of fun anyway that's not important uh what's important is that uh facebook is willingly allowing disinformation to to spread and uh really isn't doing a whole lot about it uh so basically francis hahn was a facebook employee um she had and she had for the bulk of oh go ahead oh uh, francis haugen
1: is how the name there we go that's right that's
0: right nailed it sorry
1: so so now we can say it right for the rest of the episode anyway proceed
0: there we go because you know i i don't want to insult our loyal listener francis haugen um you know i don't this will get back to her if it if uh if uh she finds out um but uh yeah so basically she had over the last several months compiled was, I believe, I want to say 10,000 pages worth of incriminating documents on Facebook and their practices. Um, The sort of majority of which she was, uh, she was focusing on was Facebook's, I mean, stuff we all knew. It's kind of like the Edward Snowden leak almost 10 years ago, where it's like, we all knew this was happening, but then to hear it blatantly told to us is just like whoa it's jarring where basically facebook has been more concerned with their bottom line than the uh sanctity of sus- the mental health of individuals and society on a whole um thus uh, uh uh there are documents revealing that uh they were well aware of the negative effects that apps like instagram have on particularly young people, um, particularly young girls, uh, who already deal enough with, uh, uh, plenty of body shaming in their day-to-day lives, uh, be it directly or indirectly toward them. Uh, no, no efforts whatsoever to try and mitigate that. And then even more so, uh, uh, Facebook's completely blatant disregard for combating disinformation, uh, disinformation which led to things like the January 6th insurrection. Um, And uh, yeah, we are seeing exactly like firsthand uh, physical documents, actual proof of a company fully admitting to prioritizing uh, profit over people. Again, we all knew it was happening. But then just to see it fully bold-faced, accepted, and with a, with a shrug of a response from the people doing it is very cold and concerning.
1: Yeah, um, it, it, Yeah. I mean, it is this kind of thing, right? It's just sort of, uh, like, really, like, the story, like, on, honestly, like, the story didn't really reach me until, like, right before we started recording this. And, yeah, it's very much one of those stories where you go, yep that's this is just a thing that happens in the world but it's always it's always like but yeah there is something weirdly meaningful about the confirmation right like the kind of like there's always this vague sense of like this is how these things you like how uh social media companies like facebook operate and this is what they do this is the effect they have and there's a and no, and when they say things like, oh, you know, like, oh, we, we're doing what we can to combat like uh, QAnon or whatever, or, you know, like we're doing what we can to kind of combat uh, the, uh, yeah, the proliferation of, uh, you know, um, like racial hatred, uh, you know, on Facebook. Uh, I think there's always a sense of like, well, but are you, you know, and, and like, it's always this kind of, you know, it always feels like lip service. And now we know, and basically it seems like the the main content of uh you know of this uh this leak so to speak is that it is lip service that you know it's it's pr moves and they don't actually care which we all i think probably knew and it's just like it's about that confirmation right it's it's the confirmation of like you know like our sense of how the world works actually being like empirically evident yeah
0: exactly exactly uh which again is sort of why i think it parallels the snowden uh uh whistleblowing uh very aptly uh and i think one of the things that is um a testament to this as well though it isn't quite under the same realm of disinformation but a true apathy for people's well-being on their platforms is the fact that hey if you want to murder someone film it and put it online you don't have to go to the the Mm -hmm. deepest dankest darkest webs you just go to facebook that stuff will stay up there for days. Like that's it's the amount of murder and assault and abuse content that is just actively on Facebook at all times and stays up for a while is staggering. And that I think doesn't read. I don't know. I don't know what that tells us exactly, but it does tell us that they aren't taking combating this kind of thing any kind of toxicity on their platform very seriously at all i think uh, because it drives engagement mm-hmm. is my guess i, I think I, I don't that the murder stuff i don't really know that is very confusing to me yeah
1: as- i think I, I think part of it's like there's uh i think it's like two things so like one you've uh, you've isolated a quote from francis haugen that i'll let you read in a second but the um that i think is like uh, again i think expresses a kind of uh expresses facebook's sort of uh motive let's say in a way that like is relatively clear and i think pretty consistent with uh you know what we under like what like we collectively kind of understand about capitalism right now as for them like I, I will be sympathetic not to facebook but to well i don't i guess to facebook for a second about like the murder stuff and like all like the violent content and that like uh automated content moderation is tricky and you know like like uh uh youtube and like it's tricky it involves um i know that like it involves like some kind of like actual sort of like human labor and uh i there have been like testimonials from people that have done kind of like the the labor of like you know censoring content and basically just having to like watch like hours and hours and hours of like recorded real violence and like that so there's a kind of like yeah like and that's a deeply traumatic experience now that's said, oh, i don't yeah. know what those i'm not saying that like you know it should like so you know we shouldn't take the stuff down because it like harms like because like you know there are people who are the people who are being paid to like watch it and take it down like are experiencing like you know are having a bad time um it's just that, like, there's a kind of, um, you know, like, like YouTube, for example, is like very quick on, uh, you know, it's very quick on kind of like automated content checks, and that presents its own kind of problems. And I think that um, there is a, of course, you could get into like the the kind of uh, the ethos, like the the respective ethoses of the of uh, the two websites, and talk about how YouTube is the sort of, has become this kind of like a. Uh, semi uh like you know uh uh s- semi-professional uh kind of uh, content creation hub whereas Facebook is still like you know more of a kind of immediate social media type thing so like having these kind of like you know strict kind of like automated checks uh any you know, like YouTube's automated checks are primarily for uh you know for copyrighted content um though they also you know like uh, uh, they also seem, seem to have like there's this issue of like targeting uh, LGBT content as well under the guise of kind of like you know pulling things for you know being like you know having sexual content or whatever I say in air quotes, um, and then yeah so like but because like you know Facebook isn't kind of like you know producing the same sort of environment it's a it's a trickier issue. That said, still bad. And they still, you know, like things about like, hey, Instagram is bad for your mental health and like, you know, produces these sort of like impossible, you know, images of beauty. Um, you know, Facebook being a hub for like, uh, yeah, you know, for people who hate people of color to kind of, you know, create groups and like, you know, start, uh, you know, start a violent, um, you know, marches or whatever like that. Yeah, but like that's all, like they know that and all they and what is evident is that they rather than trying to do anything to combat that they are basically going like okay we need to make moves that we uh, appear to be combating it until it falls out of the, the zeitgeist and then yeah and then we can just move on exactly and that's that's yeah and that's what they're trying to do and, and there's a reason is, for that given
0: and that is partly something they confess too there's actually another quote here um from the 60 minutes interview is uh Hagen, right? Hagen. Yes. Hagen. Frances Hagen uh, did say in the interview too. Uh, so, or it wasn't a direct quote from her, but it's a, one study she found from this year says, quote, we estimate that we may action as little as three to five percent of hate, about uh, six tenths of one percent of VNI, uh, violence and incitement on Facebook, despite being the best in the world at it. So a full outright confession that next to nothing has been done uh and i think one thing that she said too that was particularly interesting a quote that we were referring to a minute ago is that she does actually reveal a lot of internals too from people at facebook who are actively complaining to their superiors that hey we're not doing enough to combat disinformation this was in the wake of the january 6th riot um there's a transcript of a conversation wherein employees are calling out their leadership for this very thing and, and uh, uh, expressing outrage that they're being met with this level of apathy. And I think she creates a a direct quote from Hagen that I think does uh, lay it all out on the table is that she says, it's one of these unfortunate consequences, right? No one at Facebook is malevolent, but the incentives are misaligned, right? Like Facebook makes more money when you consume more content. People uh, people enjoy engaging with things that elicit an emotional reaction. And the more anger that they get exposed to, the more they interact and the more they consume. And I think you see that too. There's also, It's also interesting that you see less of that kind of thing, at least as far as I can tell, on Instagram. Instagram doesn't have that doesn't have the same degree of disinformation they have a lot more flagging and watermarks on their platform uh a lot more content gets taken down there and i think a part of it is a part of the uh this is speculation this is not anything that is evidenced in this segment but i think a part of it is about who their user base is instagram has a much wider net of who is using the platform um it is far more all-inclusive young people are using instagram uh liberals progressives conservatives far right everyone is on instagram for the most part for the most part that, that's that's watering it down but you know what i mean facebook you see a big decrease in in uh in youth you see a big decrease in a lot of circles you see primarily older americans gen x baby boomer and upwards using that platform and you see i think a bigger proportion again i can't emphasize enough pure speculation but i think you see a bigger proportion of that user base who are more inclined to spread that kind of disinformation and facebook groups private groups and that kind of thing that allow them to do it more freely
1: yeah um like to be honest i don't really you know i don't know as much about like facebook's kind of like internals in terms of like how it makes its money i don't know as much as i would like to know um this is all
0: anecdote mm, and speculation yeah
1: okay. I would I would also say that like you know I think something's really crucial at least about like the way like kind of contemporary um uh contemporary kind of like online I don't know like right-wing gr- grouping kind of happens uh well but I mean well you need the capacity for community right I mean like the big thing with like QAnon which was big on Facebook for a while until they very publicly you know said like hey we're deleting the QAnon uh people. Uh, groups or whatever, um, like a big part of that was the capacity for community and this sort of uh, like the joint, like a big like QAnon, it, its power was in the fact that it was basically collectively written fan fiction. And that is like a, there's a sort of a, a cooperative kind of uh, participation that I think something like Instagram doesn't really allow, like Instagram kind of like distills down in its form, you know, like it's the scroll, right? It's, it's very Twittery in that way. Um, But, uh, you know, while still, but like while being primarily an image based kind of format and like while there are like comment threads and stuff I believe on uh, Instagram posts, I haven't had an Instagram for like four years. Um, So I'm, uh, but yeah, like there's I think there are differences in the kind of, uh, in the form of the two sites as well as the uh, user base. Um, But, uh, but yeah, like the, but the quote that you uh, pointed out from Haugen, um, I, I think, yeah, just like, you know, it expresses the, you know, like, like that's the critique of capitalism, right? Like that's sort of the thing is like, it is that profit motive, like the the profit motive, which is the thing that that is the engine of, or, you know, like not to get, uh, Marxists may like, you know, have a go at me here, but like, I'm not trying to like, you know, say anything definitive, but like, like one of the core engines of capitalism is profit motive. It is the idea of you want to make money. Um, It is, it is the profit motive is a thing that, you know, that drives human interaction and uh, that, uh, yeah, and and like the, the critique and like the critique is that like profit motive is misaligned with uh, basically the embitterment of human life. And, uh, Facebook is just one example of that really, uh, you know, like it is like, Hey, you know, we make money when you stay engaged and you stay engaged when you, uh, you know, you, you, stay engaged when you encounter content that speaks to you, that kind of like drags you further down, that keeps you, you know, content that keeps you engaged in the, the, the social form of the webs of like the, the website. Right. And so, yeah and that's but so it doesn't actually so like the actual the the content of the content you know facebook's completely neutral on because it doesn't matter because what matters to them is the thing that matters to every company which is making money and that's the whole critique Mm -hmm. and so yeah like that's you know and a full uh, admission
0: of it from facebook themselves i mean in in these documents yeah
1: it's yeah yeah no these these companies know what they're doing like they're not dumb like they they know like what's on their site and they don't care because it's about you know media like yeah it's about like you know in uh, intervening in uh you know intervening in the culture intervening in the the sort of like the the social their their social kind of standing to the extent that they're still you know like able to function as as a profit making engine and that's all you know like it's like that's the thing and it's like like this is the most predictable story of all time but like the horror is just like oh yeah no like this is the you know it's the empirical proof of that thing that we all already knew
0: everything that yeah we had been talking about for years now has just simply been confirmed um yeah. And that is a depressing reality. Now we have two other stories we have to cover with two minutes left on the clock. So I guess we'll just have to skim them very, very quickly. Rapid fire. Uh, Let's go. Yes. The next day, uh, this Monday, uh, Facebook and Instagram shut down for, I want to say a total of six, seven hours, possibly longer at minimum six hours. Um, oh, as did WhatsApp which is, that's one that hasn't been talked about enough because that WhatsApp is a hugely crucial uh, uh, communication device for many people overseas, um, which is, uh, that story has really kind of been less focused on because it's not a yeah. domestic issue, but it's a huge deal. Regardless, yep. these platforms all shut down for a uh, whopping amount of time the day after this whistleblower leak. That looks really bad. That is a bad look for Facebook. And it really might be that the offices of Facebook Uh, looks like the ending of Goodfellas where stuff's getting flushed down the toilets and people are panicking. Uh, Very, very possible. Uh, That being said, there has been some pretty interesting evidence to point to the fact that this is just a horrible, horrible coincidence. And that's not just evidence presented by Facebook because obviously that's not worth taking at any sort of value. Uh, One video I encourage people to check out is uh, it's on YouTube uh, titled Facebook had a really bad day yesterday from... And I'm very sorry to say this handle because I'm a big fan of this YouTuber, but his his, his handle could use some work. Some Ordinary Gamers, uh, aka Mudahar. Um, very tech savvy guy, very computer savvy guy. He knows his stuff. He breaks down the situation and he proposes a hypothesis where he doesn't rule out the fact that this could be a very sinister ploy from Facebook, but in all likelihood, this was just a freak accident. Breaks it down a lot better than we could. I encourage people to check it out. Now, uh, uh, yesterday or two days ago, as of this airing on Wednesday, uh, uh, some uh, there was a massive data breach of streaming website Twitch, where in, I want to say at least 50, maybe more, twitch streamers uh uh incomes from what was it august 2019 through april 2020
1: it was it was more than just the 50 like i think it it was uh, like all of them (laughs) yeah was Um, it all of them i think i think and the thing was like the thing that kind of like that people really noticed was the the lists of like the people who made the most and um yeah and like to basically because we're running out of time to keep it short so yeah like the source code leaked and like incomes leaked uh anyway, so we're going to break down the source code in 30 seconds. Just kidding. Turns out the top <laughs> Twitch streamers make a lot of money. Who would have thunk? It, um you, you know, like that's another one of those like like looking at the number, it's sort of uh it feels bad. Like it, it just kind of I don't know, like I'm uh I I I don't like, uh, like, I think a big part of like what uh, makes people feel bad, like using Instagram has to do with the idea of micro celebrity and the idea of kind of like, I think there's something very weird about the generally like being online and the Twitch is sort of, uh, you know, well, well I mean, following the, following the format that porn laid out before it, uh, because porn did pioneer basically monetization of, you know, streaming on the internet um yeah twitch is kind of like yeah found ways to sort of you know like really you know ma- push into the mainstream and monetize micro celebrity and uh yeah it's weird i don't know you know hassan piker makes a lot of money those critical role people make a lot of money the critical role people make an obscene amount of money i mean yeah I, it's one of those
0: things where uh, again my ultimate takeaway and we do have to wrap this up my ultimate takeaway is this is an incredibly bleak picture at the world we live in um I, I, but the people who I think are trying to blame Twitch streamers on this, people who are trying to blame people like Critical Role, and particularly Hassan Piker, who's getting the brunt of it, being that he is a leftist streamer um, yeah. who, posts, who, who makes leftist political content, um, he's, he's really bared the brunt of it, uh, I think, in terms of vitriol. But at the end of the day, we still... I, I mean, I hate to say it, we live in a society and- see, see
1: that's 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 the thing <laughs> we do live in a society but like but but to be honest you know in, in terms of like whatever i don't watch this on piker but also here's the thing you know like a good Marxist analysis takes takes into account the fact that you know like we are products of our conditions and here's the thing like we live in the world of profit motive baby and yep. like that you know no matter what your convictions that affects you yeah exactly um excuse me bernie sanders owns three homes yeah and you know i'm not gonna lie he probably it is it's, a little not, weird. it's not great it's optics. a little weird it's not you know? great optics uh you know uh look and now that look. he's not running for president again we can admit that yeah
0: <laughs> you know look hey hey no matter no matter my ideals if i got invited to the met gala i would go i'll say that i would probably be a little more tactful uh in terms of my pr about what i would wear to the met gala um neither here nor there anyway we're gonna take a quick break and uh we will be back to talk about something well we're gonna talk about something way less relevant i think we'll be back we'll have some fun yeah exactly
1: listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine this is socially distanced uh I am either Paxton Wright or Justin Kiever and with me is either Justin Kiever or Paxton Wright hello Justin Kiever or Paxton Wright how you doing Justin Kiever or Paxton Wright anyway this is the bit we're doing where we don't say which one we are uh oh God. You know, we've
0: gotten real- I've already gotten so much more disenchanted with this bit just in the last half hour
1: yeah Y- anyway, um anyway, this is socially distanced. We're the Doesn't two mean we're gonna tell socially you. distanced. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> uh, it's a good thing there's not an archive of this show. Where, oh you God, know... can you imagine? Oh.
0: <laughs> hey, <laughs> check
1: also, out the, also check, also out the a...
0: uh, check out the socially distanced podcast on Apple Music and Spotify at KUCI colon socially distanced. Uh, you know, it's also
1: it's also it's also good that there's not an archive of the show um you know that definitely isn't at the url that you just listed because (laughs) hey guess what we're talking about in feast of the Weast this week talking about hitman yes we are yes we are and we've never discussed it before
0: yeah it was a show a game we have never once uh discussed on this uh on our show and it's almost 50 episode run um yeah no (laughs) i'm playing a lot of hitman uh what i will say also one thing uh for our for our regular listeners uh, one thing we did not acknowledge in this episode that we should mention um, we did say last week that we were going to watch M. Night Shyamalan's Old and okay. we were going to uh, do a sort of uh, retrospective on it or a, I guess a uh, first impressions uh, episode. Our plan let me be clear our plan was for me to drive down to Irvine tonight from Los Angeles go to Justin's place uh sh- criminy i just said the names
1: oh well you got us folks oh, uh, no you're you're going to either your place or mine who can excuse say excuse me excuse yeah. me yes
0: i'm going to Come one on. of
1: our two places uh whoever's
0: it may be um and we were going to watch uh m night Shyamalan's old uh and we were going to immediately afterwards record our first ever in-person episode uh right afterwards with our first impressions Uh, Problem is I probably don't, but I might have COVID. Um, I have been in close contact with someone in the last few days uh, who turns out to be, have tested positive. Um, So that ain't great. Uh, I tested negative earlier today. However, I will be getting another test tomorrow or, you know, today, it doesn't matter. I I will be getting a test soon just to reconfirm. I feel fine but for the sake of taking precautions, we decided to postpone the old episode and we've decided to make it a Halloween episode uh, because old is scary. Gulp. Um, but <laughs> but uh, we will it's be a total. good goofy impression there. Thank you. Thank you. That's yeah. right. Uh, but yes, Gorsh. we will, we will <laughs> be returned. The beach makes you old. Uh, <laughs> i got crow's feet mickey um that's my goofy Uh, i don't know how it is but it's fine uh yes but we will be doing we will be doing old but we will be returning to it at a more seasonally appropriate time uh so stay tuned for that but today we're talking about hitman a game we've already talked about the show the reason being when we last talked about it i'd never played hitman before now uh i have been playing nothing but hitman for almost two months um because i am uh ravenously obsessed with this franchise um so i have a lot to say on it now so yeah justin you want to talk about hitman yes i do cool i said your name again (laughs) (laughs) you know what Uh... it's actually a gaslighting tactic because i might be lying you never know
1: that's uh, uh anyway i can't I
0: hate this you're justin
1: i'm All, paxton whatever I, I, if, if it you it have any e- email emails go to paxton not me anyway so um <laughs> hitman it's good right it, hitman is incredible justin uh i've only
0: played the new uh trilogy uh that started in 2016 um but like i said it's pretty much the only game i play anymore which is not good given that we do a weekly show about new games we've been playing, but I cannot, I cannot pull myself away from it. It, You know, we did talk about this on the last episode about Hitman. I told you that I have, I've always assumed for years and years and years that Hitman was the exact kind of game for me. I watched footage of it. I, I knew exactly how it operated and I thought, Oh, this looks like a game that was made for me. I like stealth. I like big open worlds. I like uh, an exploration. Um, I like this concept of hiding in plain sight. I like the just general exotic locale sort of aesthetics of like things like James Bond and uh, Jason Bourne, et cetera, et cetera. This is exactly my thing. And for some reason, despite my telling this to so many people, the response I was always met with was, I don't think you'd be into it. And I've uh, from countless people. And now all I can wonder is, what the hell kind of impression did I give off? This is exactly what I wanted to play.
1: What I want to say for the record, I did tell you to play Hitman, right? Like I was and not one the- of the people saying. You okay. did. And you're the reason I was like, okay, I
0: got one. This is the first thumbs up I've been given. So I guess, I guess maybe it might be for me. And yeah, you were right. I don't know what this, <laughs> again, I don't know what kind of impression I've given off. I love Metal, Metal Gear Solid. I really like Splinter Cell. I like Stealth i even every time i play uncharted attempt to go stealthy until it doesn't work four seconds later like you know i like those mechanics
1: i don't yeah get, I, I don't get did what the I was... people who did the people who were telling you this know you
0: uh one of them is my best friend <laughs> who i've been playing video games with since sixth grade <laughs> i really
1: don't know where he got this impression Uh, yeah that's that's baffling um yeah hitman's really good like that new trilogy is really good it like i I have thoughts on it vis-a-vis like uh we can bring back the immersive sim conversation so i can talk about Deathloop for the third week in a row somehow (laughs) let's do it baby let's go um but yeah no tell me yes tell me like how, how has hitman grabbed you tell me about it
0: uh so really i think the thing that has struck me the most about hitman is people always talk about games being a you know it's a very sort of played out <clears throat> it's played out terminology at this point we've been saying this since grand theft auto was causing controversy 20 years ago but games serve oftentimes as an outlet for like some kind of power fantasy and i think hitman plays on that in a really interesting way in that you are hiding in plain sight, you are blending in with the crowd, you are a face among a sea of faces, and yet you are up to something that no one else knows and if you play perfectly no one finds out. this is already sounding like a manifesto, and I wanna I wanna tell our listeners I I uh, I bring nothing but peace and love to the world around me. But I like that there is a because there's a kind of power fantasy that something like Doom 2016 or Doom Eternal gives you, which is balls to the wall, run in, punch horrifying demons in the face and break their heads yeah, off
1: while break- like less interesting Mishuga plays. Yes. Yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah. And it so, is. But- Oh, go ahead. And as you say, yeah, but Hitman, but Hitman is not that kind of thing. Like it's a different sort of like, it's a power fantasy, but a different kind of vibe. Exactly, it's a power fantasy where you can, if you're not careful, easily get overpowered. It's a power
0: fantasy where you need to be, it requires strategy. And I mean, not, not to say that Doom Eternal doesn't require strategy, because it requires a lot of strategy. That game's hard, but, uh, but like it, in a very different way. You don't feel. Uh, granted, you can play Hitman in a run and gun sense. You can do it, and for some people, it's really fun. I'm not into playing it that way, but some people are into it. Um, but to me, the the game operates at at its best when you're trying to be as quiet as possible, and you can fulfill this role as Agent 47 too in a really interesting way. I you can sort of, despite the fact that Agent 47 is a sort of blank slate of a character. Um, who who is assigned to go in and kill people? Who's assigned to go in and kill specific targets? Um, you can sort of role play the psychology of Agent Forty Seven, and in the way I the way I do it, that I really enjoy is in trying to go completely non-lethal except for targets every time i really mm-hmm. really really try to kill non-targets not just because you know it make big number go up at the end of your round it's also a matter of like if i was a hitman I would not want to be killing people unnecessarily. I would yeah. want to strictly go after one person and not leave a body count behind me.
1: Yeah. And, and it, is, but it is also worth like, you know, pointing out that the game does, you know, have a kind of an incentive structure where, you know, only killing the target, make the big number go up, which is to say the game incentivizes playing in exactly the way that you're, uh, you know, playing the game. And I think that's, Good. and I think that's you know pretty much always been the hitman ethos with maybe the exception of uh, absolution that 2012 like more shootery one but um but yeah no like that's I think that's the thing is like that incentive structure is actually sa- I think is saying something about 47's character yeah and that's the thing is like I actually even though like the story is like you know a little goofy I I like the characters in the in the new hitman trilogy like I think like you know for like the archetypes they represent, like the game doesn't necessarily do something interesting with them, but it makes them likable. And it's that interesting, in and of itself yeah. is a feat. Yes, that is a great point because for some reason, despite the
0: fact that I practically slept through that game's cutscenes, despite the fact that the narrative did not grip me whatsoever, I was still invested in these characters and their relationships. And I love Hitman's Hitman 3's ending between uh, Age of 47 and um, why am I blanking on her name all of a sudden? Diana? Diana
1: I, I, I think so. Yes. yes yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah.
0: Between Agent 47 and Diana um, in the cabin in the woods at the end. Like, I think it's a great ending and I think it's a great conclusion for those characters. These characters, I didn't even realize I was so coming to like love and hold near and dear to my heart because I was barely paying attention to the conflict they were growing, going through together. But in their dialogue interactions, particularly in game you Mm -hmm. there is and and particularly in the way that their relationship develops in the latter half of three um they become compelling they become compelling and i think as you said in part because you are so immersed in who agent 47 is and you share his agency and you share his his uh i mean your brain is his brain and you get weirdly roped into this character in a way that feels un it feels very natural despite the fact that like it's so subtle at least for me again it's so weird because narrative is such an important thing in games for me my favorite games pretty much all have great narratives across the board or at least very admirably ambitious narratives and i i really couldn't care less about hitman's story i really couldn't care less and yet i'm still so compelled by the game on a whole
1: See, I, I think that's the thing is like, it, it's a story that works in sort of like two registers, right? Like there's the, or in two ways, like there's the kind of like the, the, the overarching narrative, which is this kind of like, you know, like sub born kind of, like, you know, Jason Bourne kind of conspiracy thing about like, uh, you know, the, 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 the secret rich people what rule the world. And the thing is, it, but what that is, like, it's, a, it's a, an effective enough just kind of, like, tying together of a bunch of disparate missions. But the disparate missions on their own each have this kind of, you know, like, they, they, have a, meta, they, they have a setup that, like, tends to be, like, thematically linked. Like, there's a kind of, you know, like, you are always, you're pretty much always going after, like, the rich and the powerful and like you know, some kind of power broker, and what a lot of these, um, or some kind of significant figure, and what the like the levels do is they sort of they enter you into a scenario that is reflective of like that person who you're like your target's relationship to the world and the way that like they're they are a kind of like refraction of power in the world so by by that like for example like there's the the mission in the first game in the uh, morocco or something like that where like you're yeah. sent to basically kill like a like a banker or something who is like fun who is like a like who's like backing a coup and you're more or less there as like you know there's a protest against the coup i think or something like that uh you know like there is uh like the 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 mission at the racetrack in miami in uh the second game where you know you're there to kill a billionaire and you walk through basically this uh showroom of like the billionaire's company's toys more or less right and you're getting you get a sense of like hey they're making these you know like the, these fancy cars but also like you know uh, automated like automated drones you know for war like you see like there's this kind of like this relationship between sort of like auto design entertainment and uh, and and war That the game is kind of like linking for you and it's it's interesting and you get to walk through these spaces which are interesting both as kind of like you know models of real world spaces and also just as levels like they're just interesting to navigate in like kind of like procedural ludic sense too and so you just kind of get it all and then like you know like you get little character moments with 47 kind of embedded as he like clearly sort of as he like very unconvincingly lies his way through a bunch of areas <laughs> and like Di- and Diana, like you know, responding to the things you're doing, and kind of like yeah, you know, like where she's playing the kind of like voice in the ear neutral role, but then kind of like you know, clearly sort of is like amused by like the weird tactic, like 47's kind of like weird tactics sometimes, and it's like little, like very small little bits of like character beats that are mostly kind of you know there through. Kind of pretty good comedic acting for the I, genre. I will.
0: That's actually like, I think one of the most impressive things about that game is that it presents itself with such a sterile coldness. Like it's. A, I love the Hitman aesthetic, particularly the like the main menu, of just the like the looping image of just silhouettes of weapons, very like uh, tactfully and efficiently like organized together, um, just as sort of like almost like a scrolling credits a little bit like behind the behind your menu interface um set with like the very very like light electronic kind of percussion music in the background that's very very subtle and minimalist um Mm. sterile whites and grays with little streaks of red in there like it presents itself so cold and seriously and yet you have a mission where agent 47 can steal the disguise of a drummer of a of a famous rock band Um, And then get told on the spot, like in this ridiculous drummer outfit, get told on the spot, like, all right, let's see you play drums while you're in disguise. And then 47 proceeds to just shred it well with this like completely stoic look on his face and it's the funny it's so it's so in contrast to the tone the game sets up but they know exactly what they're doing and it the comedy in those games plays so well the vineyard mission in in, uh in hitman 3 which is is one of
1: of the one of the funniest like possible like uh murder
0: (laughs) tactic pushing the woman into like the grape masher like it's it's absurd (laughs)
1: you you, you can basically just put you can basically just put her under a big anvil yeah (laughs) it's just like it's so cartoonish well i think
0: the fact there is such a joy that comes from sneaking around a vineyard in like a security area, and just whipping bottles of Malbec at security guards' faces, <laughs> just whipping wine bottles everywhere is so just unbelievably satisfying and funny. Especially because uh, you know, I work at a uh, I work at a wine store. Um, that is my that is my day job, and uh, uh, sometimes you just really bored on a wednesday afternoon there's no one there and you just think like what kind of havoc could i cause with wine bottles and then you play hitman 3 and you find out (laughs) i can make this kind of havoc with wine
1: bottles Uh, yeah it's just like it's really goofy but also like but earnest and i think like has a kind of like expresses a perspective on the world in a way that like you know games of that kind of uh I guess like budget and kind of like a, and like of that style kind of don't. Yeah, I do also think like yeah like you said at the top of this uh of this uh segment the the nature of the power fantasy is interesting where like all games are about being a, like a master or most games are about being kind of like a master of a space, right? Like that is in some way kind of the power fantasy and Hitman is very much that, but it's about But there's something about, even though, you know, you're just, you know, like every game, you're just navigating an area with a bunch of non-player characters, a bunch of like weird little automatons that look a little bit like people. There's something that feels more social about these spaces. And part of it is that like actual, like recognizable social events are happening,
0: you know, like you go to parties and you overhear conversations between people that are not just like relevant to the plot and the characters there, which some of those conversations are, but a lot of them are just, Con- like the i think one of the best examples is the arc society at the end of uh, hitman 2 where yeah. you go to like the secret island of like the ultra wealthy and powerful and elite and it's a society that is basically built on it's a society of the uh wherein the elite can congregate and prepare for the collapse of modern civilization mm-hmm. um and You are basically walking through and so many of these conversations you hear are very cynical, actually kind of tying into what we were talking about with Facebook earlier, you are hearing this perspective firsthand of people talking about profit over prosperity. Like at the end of the and there's like one conversation that I think is really interesting where it's like, um, there's a, there's uh, these two people you over here and there's a woman and they're talking about like, so how do you think it's all going to go down? Like, how do you think this is ultimately going to collapse? Is it going to be disinformation, uh, creating vitriol? Is it going to be climate change, blah, blah, blah. And this woman's like, it's definitely going to be climate change. Like, she's like, it's coming. And she's like, and, and she's like, you know, and, and yes, I work at a, at a, you know, a major, uh, 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 fossil fuel company blah, blah blah and she's like she's like end of the day look no one wants to see the world end god knows i don't but at the end of the day i i got a margin to meet i got a bottom line to meet so like what am i supposed to do and like it's just this whole atmosphere of people shrugging and going bummer because they're ultimately not going to be affected and like and going through or not affected to the same degree as everyone else and like going through and hearing this like truly living, breathing world around you when you have intentions that no one else knows and like just living, you are truly like living in this total disconnected world from your own reality, but that is still very much based in our own reality.
1: Yeah, like it's a it's a game about putting you in a space where you don't belong. And like, the, like I think like one of the fundamental fantasies is having... Having absolute confidence in that scenario, like being able to step into like a crazy club in Berlin and just go like, I'm just going to patrol this floor. And like I like the like the sense of like the, the ability to integrate into that's a, a
0: space. That's a great point. Yeah, because
1: and- I think of, I'm sorry to interrupt, but like I think of any
0: one of those, it just, because you got me thinking, I've never really considered that before, but you walk into an environment, if I were to walk into a crazy nightclub in Berlin, I couldn't own the space, I'd be really uncomfortable and like, ah, do I need to have, should I put more mesh on, I don't, uh. <laughs> like, like, but 47 just immediately walks in with full confidence and knows exactly how to blend in at any given time and that in itself is a little bit of like almost a social power fantasy a little bit yeah. um it's
1: interesting yeah i don't know but keep going i didn't mean to interrupt you just oh, got me oh no i mean that was basically the gist of it is that like yeah it's this kind of it, yeah but like it's a social power fantasy in a certain way And, uh, and a lot of that comes through, like, again, like we were talking about like subtleties of, uh, like voice acting and like story stuff before, but also like animation, you know, he's just got a confident stride, a confident stride. that Like he's not like, you don't run everywhere by default. Like if you push, you know, push up on the stick, like it's, it's, it's a walk. It is a confident walk. And like that, you know, is like, that's just, it's a more naturalistic way to move through a space. It makes the space more convincing. Yeah. And like, it's just and yeah and like games don't do that like so like I was I mentioned I might bring up Deathloop and I guess like basically what it comes down to is my disappointment with the immersive sim as a genre um that I expressed a couple episodes ago like the space is like like Deathloop is not a social world right like it's a world it's with a bunch of combatants and you can fight people and you can pick different ways to fight people i saw one person like one like you know game critic call far cry 2 an immersive sim today and i almost like i lost my mind So i was like <laughs> that is like you know that, that is just a game where like it's not it's just a game where you have different options for how to shoot people. Like Hitman is a, you know, it's a murder game. Don't get it, like, you know, don't get us wrong. It's called Hitman. But despite that, it is also a game that gives you like the constructs social spaces that can be navigated socially by talking to people and like having the right look, having the right costume, having the right key and being able to say something, sneak by. And for that reason, like it is a more convincing kind of like simulation. It is a more immersive simulation, if you will than any immersive sim i've played and i think and like that's just like it's really powerful frankly like it's just it's it's just a heck of a thing
0: yeah Uh, no i I think you're right and it actually is interesting because you got me thinking just while we're on this quick topic of immersive sims and we do have to wrap up in a second but i've i don't know this is uh, this is honestly hardly related come to think of it but it's just on my mind and i feel like i need to say it i never played that old Bioshock Infinite, like Welcome to Rapture DLC or whatever they did um a number of oh, years yeah. ago, the one where you go yeah. to Rapture and it like, mm-hmm. but come to think of it, because Bioshock is an immersive sin uh franchise. Um but come to think of it, that that welcome to rapture DLC, I might have to go back and try it because it always marketed itself in a way that appealed to me and sort of ties into what Hitman is, which is a game wherein you go to the city of Rapture where it's not com- a complete apocalyptic scene and it's actually a society that is still somewhat functioning albeit has a sinister side and you know what uh, sinister underside and you know what is coming um which is always what i wanted to see from the bioshock games and it always frustrated me that i never got that um i i like bioshock a lot i like those games but i was far more interested in rapture as a city before its downfall than after and i never really got that um, and so I am cur- I'm curious to see it because it also, like, there's a lot more hiding in plain sight. At least that's what the marketing and from what I've gathered about that DLC has suggested. So it almost feels like if you brought Hitman to Bioshock, like I said, the more I say this out loud, the more I realize this is completely <laughs> irrelevant to the discussion at hand. But I felt the need to bring it up.
1: That's okay. I'll, I'll say temper your expectations a bit.
0: That's all I'll say. But anyway, what okay. we should wrap up though. Good to know. All right. Well, that is going to do it for us this week. Um, I, I don't know. Um, don't go on facebook play hitman Uh, uh there you go listen to the knobs people bye